Hey all, this is Big Sean. In this week's episode, Alex and I deconstruct Wing Chun's second form, Chum Q. If you liked last week, you're going to love this week. Hold on. And every day, I practice martial arts. Hey everybody, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Outstanding. How are you, my friend? Uh, kind of uh, recovering from a pretty busy week. Um, as a lot of people who follow me on social media know, uh, we're in the designing phase of my next book, which is actually about tonight's chop- topic, which is the Chum Q. So uh, my whole life has been living, breathing, editing, re-editing Chum Q for like nonstop four hours in addition to my regular teaching schedule per day. What about you? Oh no, things are good. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a regular working guy. So, I, you know, I'm gonna pretend like I know what Chum Q is tonight. Um, <laughs> so what, what what Alex is talking about is tonight's podcast is all about Chum Q. Uh, if you listen to last week's, it was all about uh, Sunim Tao, and we're calling this part of our uh, form series. Season three is going to be uh, dedicated to really getting uh, in depth on our. The arts that we love and teach, uh, Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do, and we're taking the first uh, six podcasts of season three and really going to dissect each form. And I, the the, the uh, response to last week's been great, huh, bud? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just, well, obviously for my own students and the people I know who've listened to it, they've been saying like, wow, it's really amazing that we actually, instead of just kind of doing our normal topics we're really going into one topic per episode in detail and they love it and like the messages that have been flowing into the uh, facebook page have been pretty amazing yeah i'm i even the messages i've been getting like on my personal page and guy friends of mine that listen to the podcast they're they've been really somebody happy. somebody said they listened to to us for six hours or something like that. yeah i just <laughs> like got, they, just they got a message listens. today from one of my kung fu cousins up in canada and he sent me a message saying he listened to six hours worth of us today. I mean, that's like we gotta mail him a check or something because that's that's. <laughs> I couldn't imagine listening to your voice for so long. I would want to bash my, my head into the nearest my glass voice. window. My <laughs> voice. I'm the one that brings my a little voice. class to this my. fucking thing. Yes, a little class. Yeah, yeah, of course. Your voice. We're, t- we're talking about your voice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, it just shows that um, the power of the, the podcast format is really amazing because you can listen to them while you're, you know, doing your daily commute or workout or whatever. And it's a great way to um, – it's also a great way to unplug because I, I find that if I'm not listening to a podcast, like if I'm on the train – then I'm futzing around with my phone and I'm checking this and doing that or whatever. But if I put a podcast in, I can just put my phone away and listen and relax. And it's it's like a really great medium. And uh, looking forward to um, you know more people uh, finding out about it, and 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 we can hopefully spread our uh, propaganda amongst uh, more people, a wider audience. Yeah, listen. Uh, just while uh, we're talking podcasts here, there's another podcast I'd like to suggest to you folks: um, Straight Blush Gyms has a new podcast. It's a once-a-month podcast. And if you know anything about Matt Thornton and the Straight Blast Gems, you'll, uh, you know this is the shit, man. Matt, Matt. Is he, is he doing it himself, or is it, or is it like Matt Thornton actually doing the podcast, or is it like his students or somebody, or who's doing it? It's, the, the last one was, uh, you know, Matt, when they had special guests on, was uh, Chris Howder and Randy Couture. 
Oh wow, cool. Yeah. That's so awesome. you know, these they're, they're doing it the right way. You know, that's great. Yeah. So check out yeah. the SBG and uh, their podcast is phenomenal. And uh, you mean they're doing it the right way and that they only do it once a month, right. <laughs> not it's, like it's, we it's, try to pump one out every week. It's like, oh man, it's Friday again. Because I have to talk about something. I was also <laughs> thinking, like, you know, like six episodes we're going to tackle each of the forms, and then like the latter six episodes will. Uh, I guess go into topics more related to to JKD or whatever, and I'm thinking like, damn, well we only have six forms, and then it's like, what about next season? <laughs> it's like have we kind of shot our bolt as far as that goes because uh, if if uh, if we were doing uh, you know martial art like uh, Hongkun or whatever, you know we might have like thirty plus forms with weapons and two man sets, and we could kind of really squeeze that for some seasons. But it's like Wing Chun, it's like oh man, well. Guys, all right. Well, we pretty much talked about everything we can talk about. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say about that, right? That's funny, you know. But yeah. uh, I'm sure we'll come up with something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, another thing too that people were also very happy about last episode is they they love the rap song, the Kung Fu Genius rap song. <laughs> which Dude, uh, that was incredible. The Kung Fu Genius rap song that was. Yeah. Uh, Kess the MC did a really great job, and and of course, again, you know, people still ask me if that was me rapping. It's not. It's Kess. Kess raps as if he's me, but I just to make to make it clear, I would never talk like that. That's like uh, that's pretty like typical hip hop bravado. But it's pretty funny because those people who are in the know um, know that that was kind of like in response to a very funny attack. Uh, that was placed on me in uh, Hong Kong newspapers last year and which has spawned the nickname Kung Fu Genius, which now everybody calls me. And I am now, um, so I guess I can announce this because it's official, I'm now a columnist, a regular columnist for Wing Chun Illustrated magazine. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll be doing uh, I'll be doing one. Um, so I'm signed on to do the next year um, and Wing Chun Illustrated comes out every two months. So basically um, six issues. And my column is going to be called Kung Fu Genius. So nice. that's sweet. Between the song and then the whole thing in the press, and now that that's actually the column, and um, so it, it's pretty much that's I guess what people call me now. So <laughs> that's great. I guess there's worse things I could be called. So. Oh yeah, like shit that I call you when, when you're not around. So <laughs> you know, worse yet, what my wife calls me is even way worse. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, I guess um, we'll we'll get into it, and then we're going to have you know for those uh, of you who heard the last podcast, where we're, we're going to do a very similar format. We kind of broke the the Sunum Tao form in the last episode in like kind of four subheadings or subtopics, and we're going to kind of do the same thing here. So, um, and you know, Sean will talk about uh, his take, um, and then and then I'll do mine. So, pretty much the same format. So. Chum cute, second form of Wing Chun. It's tonight's topic. Uh, we'll start with a, a pretty straightforward one. Um, Chum cute mean. So, in in your experience, from what you learned um, from the Moyat lineage, what is your take on what the name Chum cute means? Okay, so I I understand Chum cute to mean uh, looking for bridge. That, but I, I one of the things I've learned is that it's at least from our take on it, from my take on it, is that people tend to get very literal about that translation, looking for bridge. Um, my Sifu told me a story that when one of his trips to Hong Kong with Moyat, he said he just saw, you know, they were walking, and Moyat says, you know, Tom, Chum Q. And uh, he looked, and there was a short little 
literally a little footbridge, like like a right. foot little footbridge going over like some water. And he said, "Look, it's just a little bridge, Chumki. It's just a little bridge." And when we are we going into definition yet, or just what it means? I don't know. Well, I think both. I think we can handle both of those as the first topic. So we, I look at it as um, the Chumkyu looking for the bridge, seeking the bridge, whatever you want, to, however you want to define it. I look at it not so much as the bridge as a physical contact, and I know that's how most people and Alex may. I don't know. We've literally never discussed this. Looking for this physical bridge contact, um, I look at it more as it's a bridge from the theory of Silimtau to actual how to put the theory into action that the you have to kind of cross this bridge of from theory to action that that the first form really concentrates on teaching you something but doesn't so much teach you how to use it you know you learn structure in the first form but you don't learn how to use structure so much in the first form you learn what center line is but you don't learn so much how to how how to what to do with Centerline, of its huge importance. These are lessons that were reserved, in my opinion, for, for Chomkyu. And I kind of feel like um, the first form, whereas the first form, you, the lessons you learn are more about the self. You learn, you're understanding your plumb line, your, your idea of center, your structure, your, 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 your tools, your energy. Chomkyu is the bridge to teach you how to deal with an opponent. Not so much that it's a fighting form. I know people refer to it as the fighting form. I don't look at it as the fighting form. I look at it as it's teaching you how to take your structure and now deal with someone throwing a wrench into it. You have to now deal with energy from somebody else. And the lessons of Q, I feel, build upon the lessons in, in, in um, the first form to teach you how to use the, those lessons with, with energy. Yeah, if I could say one more thing, um, I look at like, thank you so much. I was praying you said yes. <laughs> um, I tend to just real quickly break down the three forms as um, you learn something in the first form, you learn how to move it in the second form, and you learn how to recover it in the third form. And and I think that really applies here. Like, and if we're just gonna take structure just for for just throwing a word out there. If you learn if you learn proper structure. In the first form, you learn how to move with a proper structure in the second form, but not just learn how to move like take a step and slide type movement. It's, it's, it's learn how to move how you would move in relation to an, a bridge energy from somebody else. And that's how I look at Chump Q. Go! Yeah. <laughs> well, you said everything I was going to say. Let's go on to the next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Um, no, uh, actually, it's interesting because uh, you you basically said you don't take a very literal um, take on what the terms mean. So you, you mean you, you one of the definitions you gave, if I understood it correctly, is that it's kind of more metaphorical, going from the very uh, theoretical siunum tau now, kind of bridging that into something that's a little bit more practical. And I think that that's a um, that's actually one of the ways I look at it. It's not the primary way, but I I did write something similar to that effect in my recent book where I talked about like if the Siyunam Tao is basically teaching you um, 
what you need to know about yourself, self-knowledge, the center line, your, your, your balance, um, you know, wh- wh- how to position your arms and all that. Um, the chum cue is in taking that knowledge and now putting it in some relation to an Perfect. opponent. So Perfect. it's, 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 it's very, it's, it's very similar to, um, in, in Sun Tzu's art of war, which is that you must first know yourself. And if you know yourself, then you have to learn uh, your enemy. And if you know yourself and your enemy, then you win all your battles, right? But many people, they don't have a strong understanding of self. Uh, and, and if they know a little bit about their enemy, they, they might have a chance. But if they really understand themselves, they understand their enemy, then they're going to have success. And this is basically um, on the metaphorical side. Yeah, so basically the idea is that if you, if you know yourself and you know your enemy, then your chance of victory is 100%, at least according to the Sun Tzu's Art of War. So this is basically uh, a, a beautiful way of looking at Chumkyu metaphorically. Um, I also take a quite literal of the terms Chumkyu, although the terms Chumkyu can be a bit problematic to um, other theories we have in Wing Chun. So for example... Um, if we say search for the bridge, that we can mean that to mean searching for our opponent's bridge or the bridge arm or however it's typically defined, that's all well and good. However, three to a major maxim in Wing Chun, which even all the streams, not just Long Tang or, or, or any of the other Yip Man ones uh, apply to, but basically most of them. Um, have you heard of this maxim, which is, chase the body don't chase the hands sure yeah so it's 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 very popular you 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 you, you hear it in some form or another from the, the various wing chun schools um but so like it's very common right so the idea meaning that if if our opponents come at us we don't want to be constantly hunting and chasing the arms because you know you can easily be fooled by a jab you can easily be faked by one punch that then goes low and if you commit your hands to this punch that you think is coming and then the guy pulls back and hits you. Well, why we don't want to chase hands there. It's a very dangerous game. If Wing Chun says we don't want to chase the hands, we want to go towards the uh, opponent's body and only if their arms are in the way, do we stick? Then doesn't the term search for the bridge contradict our abstention to hand chasing? Right. Right. And the funny thing, the funny thing is stuff all the time. And I hear Wing Chun talking heads online talking about, oh, you don't want to chase hands and chasing hands is crap, which I totally agree with. Okay, with the definition of the second form being search for the bridge. And I go, do you not see some kind of contradiction in there? Right. And I think I know um you know, I, I talk about this in my book at length, so I don't want to be repetitive, but I think it's similar to the issue with the terminology for Siu Nim Tao and Siu Lin Tao, like what the older name might have been compared to the newer name. I firmly believe, based on the research and the things that I've seen, that the original term was not search, but it was sink. Sink, sink. Because in Chinese, there are two words that sound identical. Chum. The only difference is the character. Characters pronounced chum means to sink, and the other one means to search. And because they sound identical, it's completely reasonable that somebody thought it was one over the other at some point and changed it. Now, for most of the Yip Man lineage, I should say, they use the search term. 
So if you look at the character, it's Tom meaning search. And in the Marshall, new Marshall Hero interview with Yip Man from 1971, or 1972, sorry, he used the term chum to search. So for that reason, I firmly believe that Grandmaster Yip Man himself used the search term because that's the one he used in his interview. So that's the only proof we have. So we have to kind of go on it, right? And it's also the one that most of his students use. However, one of Yip Man's students, one of his very early period students, a guy named Roland Tong, um, whom I've met uh, and I've interviewed him, and he also posted on Facebook that he believes the original term should be to sink. And there's some other lineages of Wing Chun in mainland China which still use the sinking term and not the search one. If you look at the form, there's a lot of mo- moments where the arm is high and then it's brought down. And the elbow goes up, the elbow is brought back down. And this is a very common a theme in southern Chinese Kung Fu that when we make contact with somebody's arms, we bring it down using a low shoulder and low elbow to bring it to somewhere where we have more leverage and it's more workable for us to control because the higher the arms are, the more difficult it is to control them, right? So the, there is the, there is some evidence to suggest that the original term may have actually been sink. So therefore, a lot of the mental gymnastics we have to go through to justify this term search may again kind of be at all because the term may have actually been something different. Now, I, I use the search term because I'm, I'm still traditional to what Yip Man did in, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But slowly over time, I'm starting to believe that it's actually the sink term. And there's another uh, Wing Chun is not the originator of everything that Wing Chun people think it is, right? When Wing Chun people think that uh, they're the first ones to come up with the idea of sinking or low elbow or this structure, that structure, whatever. And you actually find it's quite prevalent in a lot of the other Southern Chinese Kung Fu styles. So for example, Hong Kun, right? Or Hong Gar, as most people pronounce it, is probably the most orthodox Southern Shaolin Kung Fu style, right? And they have a famous maxim, like a samfat, like we have, and that means sinking elbow, hands level with the shoulder. And what that usually means is like, because they have these different postures from the different movements or whatever, the elbow is held low, just like it is in Wing Chun, but the hand is, or the fingertips are roughly shoulder height. And because they have two hands, it's in front of each shoulder. But Wing Chun advocates the center line. So our hands are not in front of the shoulders. They're in front of the middle. So I believe the Wing Chun people robbed this old Hong Kun model. And instead of it being tam tang doi ba, which is sinking elbow parallel to the shoulder, they went tam tang lock ba, which then became sinking elbow dropping shoulder, meaning that you keep your shoulders and elbows down because they're on the center. And for that reason, I the chum character is still present in some of our original maxims. And it's prevalent enough that I believe that that may actually be the original title of the chum cube, meaning to sink. But anyway, I'm not a historian. I'm not a researcher. And I, I'm not I, I'm not defending one over the other. I'm just presenting information. So people can feel free to disagree with me. I don't get the least bit butthurt at all because I have absolutely no attachment to it. I just read both sides of the argument. I find they're very interesting and I present them. So um, 
Uh, yeah, so I suppose that's a a little slightly different answer than what you give. I just wanted to talk specifically the uh, terminology and and the issues we have with hand chasing in, in that. So that's my take on that. That's all I got to say about that. That's all I got to say about that. No, I mean I, I love that actually. That's really good. That, that was really good. And um, just to jump on one little thing, when you said like. Uh, Stick to the body, not to the hands. That, that yes, I, I even tell my guys that like when they think of um, Chisau sticking hands, that one of the things that drives me nuts is people in their head envision sticking to their their training partner's arms, and I always say no, no get that out of your head. Think sticking hands is if you're trying to stick to this to their core. Right. Follow, follow your sticking. You're sticking your energy to their core, and if you think that, all the all the arm movement just becomes extraterrestrial bullshit. You know what I mean? Sure, sure, sure. It just so happens that the arms are in the way of going, of actually hitting the opponent because their arms are in between. But your intention should be to go towards the body and not to the arms. Right. Exactly. That's right. it. Yeah, gonna, excellent. You know excellent. So that's going to be the seventh episode. It's going to be on on Chisau. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, honestly, we could probably even break that down into a couple um, a couple episodes because we could talk about the formal Chisau exercises. We could talk about the, the Chisau sparring, how that relates to re- real fighting outside of the Wing Chun world. I mean, we, we could yeah. probably and remember we need to we need to squeeze these topics as much as we can. <laughs> we can't put it all in one episode. We don't have that much in Wing Chun. <laughs> Remember, Wing Chun's a minor style. You can learn it very quickly. Next week is <laughs> Yiji Kim Yama. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Part one. <laughs> the seven parts of the, the first stance, right? Um, so, yeah, great. Um, so at the, the next part I guess we're going to discuss is, so what is the purpose of Chum Q in terms of the overall progression? So we've taught our student the Siunam Tao form. Um, at what point do they learn the Chum Q? Why do they learn the Chum Q? And so uh, how does that fit? Besides the fact that it's the second form, how does it fit into the overall progression? Right, so like I alluded to before, I look at um, Chum Q is there to teach you how to move what you learned in the first form. And when when should you learn Chum Q? When you can do the drills of the first form without falling over. Um, <laughs> when you when you need to when you need when you no longer need to take a step in doing some of the static drills is when you need then you learn to step. If you if you're always being pushed back or have to move to the side to do something like uh, just uh, rolling hands, a Luke style type of thing. With, with, you know, when you're learning and you're kind of going off center, and you're that, that's not ready. You're not ready for chum cue. You're ready for chum cue when you when you no longer have to fall backwards to uh, deal with forward energy. At least that's how I like to say it. Um, in matter of time, practicality time, and we're going to be nine months a year of. Uh, of, uh, of of training in the, the first form before you move on to the second form, hmm. but um, I think for I most exactly people, they I think for most people the progression is they start teaching themselves the second form from YouTube when they don't need to watch the first video anymore to get through to the end of the movements, right? Right, exactly, so, right. 
<laughs> so that varies depending on how well they can imitate movements they see that they don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you, you, people need to look at, at least I shouldn't say, I look at Chomkyu as uh, it's a form that just it teaches you how to move. And again, not so much as like this set of footwork versus that set of footwork. It teaches you how to move in relation to the energy that you're given by an opponent. You know, um, when we when we do the breakdown of the form, I'm gonna break. Uh, I'm gonna explain how I see the energies and stuff. But uh, think of it as like um, moving your center in a uh, a coordinated, um, self-synchronized way, a balanced way. Something that you know, you when you're feeling energy, how you could move either off center or 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 through center, but without losing structure, without losing balance. Without, um, without, without doing bad shit, you know. So that's uh, that's that's how and why we do the form, as far as uh, I'm concerned. Great. Um, well, yeah, similar. Um, so obviously, we yeah we teach it. I think in a similar time frame. Of course, it depends on the individual attainment of the student. I mean, we have students who. We call them Wing Chun bums because they practically live at the school. We're throwing them out at the end of the night and they're there every day and and they come on the weekends and they come two hours before training and start hitting the wall bag or whatever. So when you have those students, right, you know, they sure. can progress through the, the information a little bit more quickly. Yeah, but about average like six, seven, eight months or whatever at the, the Sunum Tao level. Um, we do it a little bit differently um, in terms of the chi cell progression. So for the first form, we we keep it to single arm chi cell because Sionum mm-hmm. Tao is primarily a single arm form. So all the chi cell they do is a single arm chi cell. Now we have a few different variations besides the the standard single arm chi cell that's most of the Yip Man Wing Chun lineages have, you know, with the, with the Fuk Sao and the defending the palm and the punch and the bong. You know, that's the standard Dan Chi. And then we have a few different, um, I'm not going to say variations, I'm going to say progressions where we add some turning and we add some different re, um, reactions and then we do some diagonal single arm chi out and stuff like that. And we do some exercises to develop the forward pressure and whatnot. So we have a, a, a relatively robust single arm chi out program. And that's what they stick with when they're learning the first form. When they start learning chum cue, that's when they learn double arm chi cell, starting with the pun cell or lok cell cycle or whatever you want to call it. And then so we don't teach the double arm lok cell cycle until they start learning chum cue. Um, but at the same time, in, in the WT program, uh, we focus a lot on practical sparring right from the beginning. So alongside learning the classical program of Sunum Tao and single arm chi cell, we also teach them how to defend a straight punch, a swing, a tackle, a kick, that kind of stuff, using the basic movements from the first form. And then when they learn chum cue, they start learning double arm chi cell, and then we teach them some more uh, involved fighting applications and so on and so forth, like elbows and knees and things like that. Um, but the uh, chum cue form... Uh, they will stay at the chum cue form for a little bit because there's a lot of information oh, in yeah. chum cue and Sunum Tao. So once they start learning um, the double arm chi cell, we have a number of different chi cell programs so that they can learn how to use all the concepts and ideas from the first two forms integrated into double arm chi cell, both in the formal exercises and in sparring. Of course, the chum cue is important because it introduces the three basic stances. It introduces turning, um, you know, all the, all a lot of special hand techniques, bridges, bong sao, wu sao as a turning technique and all that kind of stuff. So there's a tremendous amount of information in the second form to be internalized. That's why when people like they teach themselves the second form on YouTube, 
and concoct a couple cheese out drills and then they're off the next week to the Bugi form. I'm like, wow, um, that's pretty incredible. They, I think they don't have any idea about how much information is really contained in the first two forms. That's why I, I tell my students that Siunam Tao and Chumkyu operating system. They're the OS of Wing Chun. Because for me, Buji is something you only need in certain situations, perhaps only against certain types of opponents. Um, and it's not something that you necessarily need to resort to in every conflict that you engage in. So I'm like, Siunam Tao and Chumkyu is really your bread and butter, and that's what they need to get good at. And that's why in the program, we spend a lot of time at this level so that they not just get good at the form, but that they can also do the things contained in the form as well. And probably in the whole teaching progression, students spend the most time at Siunam Tao and Chumkyu level than the other levels. Because if the foundation is laid very well at Siunam Tao and Chumkyu, it's a lot easier to go through Buji and Wooden Dummy because the foundation is there. But if they're missing pieces of the foundation, you actually end up having to spend a lot more time fixing things later. So um, that's kind of one of the ways we look at it in terms of the progression. And also, if you imagine that learning Wing Chun is um, uh, like learning a language and your goal is to converse, right? Mm -hmm. Then Siunam Tao is like learning ABCs. And Chumkyu is like learning words. And Chi Sao is like learning grammar and usage. And sparring is conversation. So if you look at all these different things, that, that if you use the language analogy, it makes a little bit more sense. Like then Chumkyu is basically learning words and phrases. Chi Sao is, um, is, is learning grammar and correction and correct use of, of these words and phrases. And things like Buji and Wooden Dummy, they're almost more like learning debate and rhetoric and more advanced forms of communication. But the actual goal is conversation, which is the fight. So right. that's how we look at it. Um, and yeah, so uh, I hope I didn't go too off topic on that one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's actually very good. I, I was actually really looking forward to this because um, this this podcast in, in, in specific because <clears throat> like most Wing Chun people, excuse me, <clears throat> sorry, like most Wing Chun people. You're Chum getting Q choked a, up about it, I can tell. I am ready to cry. I'm ready to cry. <laughs> Chum Q was always one of my favorite form. You know, yeah. like you do, you do the first form for so long. It can be a little repetitive. It can be boring. You're, you know, you're not moving, at least uh, the way I learned, you know, all the drills you're doing are very static. You know, when you're doing Chumkyu, now you're moving around, you're doing some stuff here. It's, um, it's, it becomes like your favorite form, you know, and uh, at least for right. me it was. Right. And I'm, I've been actually absolutely looking forward to uh, hearing you talk about it because um, I have a couple of different perspectives when it comes to Chumkyu. You know, I learned from, uh, from Steve and, and from Tom. And I'm not going to lie, you know, a lot of, a lot of my thoughts on uh, Chumkyu come from a lot of sources, you know what I mean? I'm, I, I, I like to read, I like to, uh, I, I think I'm, I, you know, I, I pretty, dive pretty deep into this form. I, I spent a lot of time thinking about this form and um, absolutely, absolutely had influences by, uh, influence in a lot of the readings of by, uh, David Peterson, you know, genuflect when you say his name. And um, <laughs> I, uh, I you know so I, that's one thing I, I have to say is like when I when I'm talking about the forms I can't speak to Moyat specific 
I, you know, oh, this is only in Muyat Wing Chun we do this, or in Muyat Wing Chun we do it exactly this way. That's why I like right. to talk in terms of what I do and what I teach. Right. And, um, and you also made the point on the podcast last week that uh, even though we've, we've been friends for a while, we've had lots of conversations, but oddly enough, most of our martial art conversations, whether they were in Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do, have always kind of been a little bit more general and a little bit more about the kind of culture surrounding the arts that we do. And these podcasts, this is actually, like you said it last week, but I, I don't think the audience really understands it. Like, despite the fact that we've known each other for a while, this is really the first time we're sitting down and talking about these things, like, in detail, like how you look at it, how I look at it. And so this is totally fresh. Like, this is... Oh, this is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex and I have never spoken like this before. I mean, we, uh, you know, we really don't even like each other all that much. <laughs> but no, it's like, we it's like, it's like Siskel and Ebert. Like people didn't right. really know that they actually didn't get along. <laughs> we, we, you know, when Alex and I hang out, it's more about, we talk a lot more about MMA. Yeah. I think our true. general conversation is more MMA than, than, than Kung Fu. And, um, we'll, and like you said, more like stuff in general, like, or and, Honestly, a lot of our conversations when it comes to Kung Fu is me uh, reaching out to Alex and asking him advice on dealing with students, things to that effect. Because even though I'm I know, 15, 20 years older than him, he's got a lot more teaching experience than I do. So um, that, that a lot of our conversation is about that and, you know, and complaining about our wives. But, um, <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> You're going to get me in trouble. Just My wife kidding. is in the next room. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But- like you have the headphones on, she can't hear anything. Uh, that, that, yeah, that that that's funny too. Yeah, also like to, to to go back to the point you made a moment ago about the chumkyu being kind of the most fun form because it's like when you're learning the Sunum Town, then you learn chumkyu. It's like a really big deal because you're moving around. I always I kind of I made a point in my book of saying like the Sunum Town is learning to stand with a book on your head. When you learn chumkyu, you're allowed to now move with that book on your head. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? So, so it's like, wow, now I can actually do something. So it is kind of that that next step. So, um, so the next category or topic or whatever is similar ones we have with the Sunum Tao. Um, how do you break up the form, divide the form? So, like with the Sunum Tao, uh, we had three parts. We did eight sets. Um, how do you break up the form in terms of structure, in terms of teaching? Uh, or in any anything else you might have to say about um, you know the divisions within the form. Okay, so I take Chumkyu and break it down in a similar way to um, sit them down. The fact that it's it's in three parts. Um, what do you got? A party going on over there? Yeah, actually, <laughs> you know, it was funny. I was just like listening for a moment. I was like, yeah, I, I forgot we we have a um, a review class again. Uh, we had one last week uh, before we have, before we have big exams for like the high levels, which are very in my school. We have um, like test prep classes where they come and they do dry run through the sparring and the forms, and then their seniors are are you know checking their form and giving them notes and all that kind of stuff so they're basically hanging out right before that class is starting right now so they're getting all their they're getting all their giggles out before the hard work gets put so if in you, if you take your headphones off i yell to shut the fuck up we're doing a podcast <laughs> <laughs> there's always background noise in all of our podcasts whether it's the you know it's all the scores of police finding dead bodies in staten yeah. island on your end uh, or it's the fire department somewhere here in, on the Manhattan side of things. There's always go. crazy stuff going on. All right, so I, I break the form down into three sections, just like I did with the first form. I feel that the three second three sections are taught 
through the use and idea of bong sao, but they're not bong sao specific. I feel that the three sections are broken down by energy, and um, so before Alex said that everybody in Wing Chun thinks that Wing Chun invented everything. Well, when he said that, something popped into my head, which I had not thought of before. <laughs> it's so I always break down chum Q in like the first section where it's like. Uh, dissolving energy or the bridge has already been gapped. The, the, the gap's already been bridged. There is contact and you're, get, you're receiving energy and you're learning to diffuse the energy. This, the second section is this idea of, um, it's taught with a throwing bong sao. So this idea of your bong sao is meeting their energy. They, they launch an attack, you launch something at the same time. It's taught with a bong sao, but it can be anything. A strike, whatever needs to be there. So you're meeting the energy. And the third section with the um, dai bong, the low bong sao section, is, and it's done stepping forward. It, it's, I teach it as, as um, you're launching the attack. You're launching the technique. You're giving the forward energy. So the first one is they've attacked and you're dealing with it. You're diffusing it. The second one is it's a picture of the idea of you attack at the same time and um, you're, you're going to meet energy. And the third one is you're initiating, okay? And, and these three sections are taught with the bong sao. But now, like Alex said earlier, where um, the Wing Chun people think that they invented everything. While he was saying this, and I'm thinking Chum Q in my head, I'm, I, I grew up uh, loving samurai, samurai swords. I've said on the podcast before that uh, my, one of my favorite books of all time is the book uh, Musashi by Yuji Asakawa. Which, if Alex, you ever take a vacation, you must read. It's amazing. Vacation? What is that? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, uh, but anyway, um, in, in Miyamoto Musashi's book, um, The Book of Five Rings, he talks about, uh, it's Kenno-sen, not think it's Kenno-sen, Taino-sen, and tai taino sen And it's the wow, same. Why, Japanese is just like your Brooklyn English. <laughs> Well, translate this. Go fuck yourself. I wish I had a Japanese friend here to hear that. <laughs> That'd be great. And the it's best like when, part about when, it when is... Wing Chun... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I was like when Wing Chun people are like Pak Sao or Sunim Dao or something <laughs> like that. And then just the Cantonese speakers are just going, oh, my God. <laughs> I would have loved to have seen the look on the Japanese dude's face when you said that. <laughs> All ninjitsu, right. ninjitsu. <laughs> All right. So I, you know, I, I'm from Brooklyn. What can I say? I mean well, though. We both know I mean of well. Of course. Of course. So the idea of this, the energies meeting, like it, it kind of lined up with what is how how I teach the energies in in Chunkyu kind of lines up with what was taught in Musashi's Book of Five Rings. In you know, mm -hmm. written in 1650 or something, you know, right? So, we again, so I break it down first section, second section, third section without getting into specifics too much of, as far as techniques and stuff like that because that's what your sifus are for. We're not here to teach you the forms, we're just here to give you some ideas. You know, the first section, uh, the idea of the energy is taught through the bong sao, uh, a shifting bong sao teaches you the idea of borrowing, diffusing, redirecting energy, the timing of it is after the attack. So the, the person attacked you, it's, it's, they're attached 
and you have to deal with it. You have you have energy going to your center, and you have to shift and diffuse that energy and do something with it. Um, some of the, you know you have to learn to use that bong sao and and and, and lan sao to borrow force, relax um, under pressure, things to that effect. You have to learn how to pivot to redirect force, and um, learning how to bring your elbow to center to 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 again just everything is diffusing. The, the idea of going from lan sao ready into 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 that shifting bong is your it's, that's not just the only diffusion there. It's from there going back. This idea of going from bong sao into lan sao, you're now just diffusing energy going the other way. And it's, I, I've spoken before about having this idea of, and I don't have a word for it or anything, this idea of like a, a triangle in front of you and, and, and your center, the center line fence kind of going from your plumb line to your opponent's plumb line. The idea of just diffusing people off of that center line fence to take it I feel is taught in the first section of of Chumkyu, you know. Um, the second section is this again with you know, of course, you know, there's the footwork and the idea of coordinating um, how your your bunk style again taught with the bunk style, but can be anything. The, the idea of um, the body being uh, synchronized, this idea of self synchronization, of, um, of 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 being a little being able to literally move properly and, and not lose structure and balance is taught within the second section and it's taught with this idea of the the energy involved is this idea of throwing throwing bong um and teach you how to, to make contact when their hands are not in the correct position just boom throw the arms up to them they're attacking you're attacking or you're they're attacking you bonks out whatever it is you're literally gonna just see create that bridge and take it and the timing is you're attacking during their attack you know um, the, the, the footwork could be taught going forward. It's equally relevant and important to know that same exact footwork in the opposite direction. And just because the form teaches you to move stepping forward doesn't mean you can't learn to step backwards. You, you have to take a little bit of initiative and, and not just be so structured as to what the form teaches you that you, you're not going to learn the footwork going in the opposite direction. And of course, you learn some basic kicking. The third section I break down is the um, the die bong section, right? The, the low bong out. And I know I probably fucked up how you say die bong, but this idea—no, it's perfect. <laughs> um, this idea of uh, low bong out, and uh, <laughs> the idea of teaching the jamming. I, again, I, I call it jamming, jamming with the bonks out. But again, it could be with anything. The, 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 the founders of the system, in my opinion, chose bonks out to teach energy. That especially in the second form, whenever you see bonks out, replace it with anything. Because you're just learning energy. And um, the, the timing is before they attack. So I'm, I'm learning how to, to throw my energy forward with, with uh, proper structure, with proper timing. And there's, there's different uses for, you know, the low bonk sound, the quant sound, and things to that effect. And um, that's kind of how I break down the form. Yeah, there's a whole bunch more go into it. And um, I know some You mean that wasn't everything? No, Alex, there's three more things, but I'm not telling them because you know what? They're a fucking secret. And you got to pay me a lot of more money for that. <laughs> yes, yes. Why did um, I talk too much? 
No, no, no. I was just I was just making a joke like we, we could talk about this literally for hours <laughs> on end and still have plenty of stuff that we have not even broached as a topic or covered. I think um, obviously the people who practice some, you know, legit stream of Wing Chun, they understand this. Uh, it's, it's actually really difficult to do anything exhaustive in terms of talking about this stuff because it's, it's so multifaceted and there's so many different topics within topics. Um However, there'll be some people who might listen to this and go like, I mean, everything I'll ever need to know about ChumQ. And now they'll go off and make their own videos on on YouTube where they're basically just rehashing stuff we said. It's kind of like uh, when Eddie Murphy talked about, I think it was either in Raw or Delirious, how like people would go to his shows and then on Monday they'd go back to work and mess up the, his jokes. They would like right. try to retell his jokes <laughs> and totally mess it up. It's like you can expect a slew of facebook wing chun videos where you're gonna find some really uh, hacked version of what we've been talking about in these. <laughs> um, so yeah in terms of breaking it down yeah the, the chum cue uh doesn't in in my opinion doesn't have a really a super clear way of breaking it into pieces most of the yip man wing chun lineages i think break it into three parts in pretty much the same exact way um that you did it um, I, um, I also generally broke it down into three parts for most of my teaching career. Um, however, now that I'm writing the Chum Q book, I actually had to say exactly how I did that. And I realized that breaking it into four parts, um, worked a little bit better in terms of, because for me, traditionally the four may have been three parts, like the Sunum Tao may have been three parts, but I find because my teacher i'm an educator so i'm always trying to find better ways of streamlining the information because i'm not teaching one student privately um i'm teaching many 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 people over the course of a long time so i'm always looking for better ways to disseminate information so i divide it into four now the chinese hate the number four why because the number four is really unlucky in chinese culture for people who don't know for chinese the number four is like what the number 13 is for us and the reason is the number four in Chinese sounds like the word for death. So the number four in China, in Cantonese is say, right? And to die is say. So the only difference is tonal, but they sound so like, that's why you don't find like, they try to avoid things like having a fourth floor or they don't like telephone numbers that have a lot of fours in it or any kind of numbers. They try to avoid it on their license plates and things like that because it's kind of a bad thing. So, of course, from the traditional perspective, if I tell the Chinese I divide it into four parts, they're going to be like, oh, day is no good. Why you do that? But for me, <laughs> for me, I'm not superstitious. I'm also not Chinese. And so dividing it into four parts does not, does not, does not raise the hairs on on the back of my neck thinking it's okay. so for me the f- first part is from the opening and then the bongsa with turning on both sides which like you said most of that stuff's when you already have contact with your opponent and you're diffusing the force and shifting out of the center to let the power go away um as well as things like paxel palm strike lanzao and things like that and the paitang elbow strikes and things um the second part is is the next bit with the pao zhang or throwing bong sao like you call it some people call it tapo bong sao um or pao zhang bong the throwing elbow bong sao there are a lot of different ways to call it um in that section uh sifu learning ting made a modification we don't do a front kick in that section we do a side kick explain that in a moment and that's the part that i call part two so it's the side kick the three throwing bong saos and then the lifting punch which is kind of like our version of an uppercut right mm-hmm. and then we have that on both sides 
The third part is the front kick with the taipong, like the, the low bong cell. And then uh, at the end of that set, we have a double man cell movement where the arms go up, which is also a modification from Sifu Lernting. Um, and then that's the third part. The fourth part for me is that final kick and then the gum cells and stuff like that, because that, sec- that last part is a little bit different because you're not stepping, you're turning. And the kick is also different. I, I call that a separate section. I call that the fourth part, like the ending. So that's how I div- divide it. It just makes it a little bit easier for me thematically um, when I'm teaching it. But to say I have three parts, I have four. I mean, it's no big deal. Again, um, right. I don't get the least bit butt hurt about people having a different way of dividing the forms they teach in their school. I don't feel responsible for what other people teach. Unlike many other Wing Chun people, they always get upset because somebody else is teaching something different than the way do- they do it. And I'm always going, why do you care how somebody else teaches it? Why aren't you just concerned with the way you do it? You know, it's like people are so crazy. Like they, they don't have enough going on in their lives that they have to bitch about how other people do things that are totally unrelated to their own lives is ridiculous right so um that actually takes us into the last part um which is about the modifications now since i already started talking about it let me just continue that and then i'll throw it back to you um in terms of whether there were modifications um in the moyat lineage or different from how yip man taught it or different from how moya taught in the early period or maybe it's mm-hmm. always been the same um you know you can say that so in, in the chumki form the way we do it in wt wing chun so eh, let's say long ting derived wing chun there are three major modifications that sifu long ting made himself to the chumki um one was the sidekick the second one is the double mansel and the third one is what we call the kyu daikun or the under the bridge punch and uh, the first one, the sidekick, well, the reason he added the sidekick was this. Most Wing Chun students, whether you look at the early period, you look at Bruce Lee, you look at the old days, whatever, most of them use some kind of Wing Chun sidekick, like a low sidekick or something like that. Um, it, it's somewhere in, in their application mix or whatever, right? But it didn't actually make um, an appearance in the forms until the wooden dummy. Like you really don't see a sidekick until the wooden dummy form because Buji doesn't have any kicks, uh, like sidekicks or anything like that, right? So um, a very common kick, like the sidekick, although the bread and butter kick of Wing Chun is the straight kick. That is like, you could call it the one true kick, right? But we have three basic kicks in Wing Chun, the front kick, the side kick, and then the slant kick or the slant angle kick, right? The one at the end of the chum cue. Um, but in... Grandmaster Yip Man's chunky form, he didn't have that. He had this, the front kick repeated two times on each side. So you had one with the, the grappling hand and the Lancel front kick, and then you had the turn and the front kick, right? But basically it was the same kick, but it was done because you have kind of two repetitions on each side, and then you have the, the slant kick done on the, on the left side, at least – Wing Chun people teach, of course, there are people who have since changed the forms and there are people who have made up their own forms. So those we consider those the outliers. So we we don't uh, Mm -hmm. factor them into the equation. We're just talking about what's what's generally orthodox in Yip Man Wing Chun, if it's even possible to use the term orthodox with with Grandmaster Yip Man. Um, When was doing research for the book Roots of Wing Chun, he found that um, in Fatsan, at least according to him, that he had found some some older manuals that reference Leongjian and the older Wing Chun period and said that the Chumqiu form should have three in the, uh, three unique kicks uh, of side kick, front kick, and the slant kick. Now, it seems to make sense because in Wing Chun, okay, ex- excluding the wooden dummy, we have three hand forms. We have three basic hand techniques, Bong Tan Fok, uh, 
three types of elbows in Buji. We have three types of palm. Uh, we we repeat the the wu sao or the fuk sao three times. So this number three is very prevalent. The the rep you know things are repeated three times again and again and again in chum kyu right. Um, and so the number three is extremely uh, vital to Chinese culture, not just in Wing Chun but just in culture in general. You have three philosophies: Taoism, Buddhism, Confucianism. So the number three is like a really big deal. They love numbers that are divisible by three. Um, you know, three, nine, twelve, thirty-six, one hundred and eight—all these things that go can be divided cleanly by three. They love these things, right? Um, and again, some of that is superstition. So to say that then Wing Chun has three basic kicks kind of falls in line with the, we have three of this, three of that, three of this, right? So according to Sifu Leung Ting, he basically re-added the sidekick to the chum cue. So he believes at some point somebody edited, took it out, forgot it, and then just doubled up on the front kick and forgot to put a sidekick in there. So believe that or not believe that or whatever, uh, you know, if, for people who learn Leung Ting Wing Chun or WT in some form or another, we have three unique kicks. And so that's the way we teach it. But I'm aware that Leung Ting is the one who modified it, but he modified it based on his research on the older version. So even WT people don't know that. When, when some WT people look, for example, at the Moyat Chum Q, they'd be like, how come they don't have a sidekick? That, that looks wrong. But it's because they're ignorant because they don't know that Leung Ting was the one who put the sidekick in there. They actually, they're even ignorant of their own martial art, right? And so if I look at the Moyat Chamkyu where they do the front kick on both sides, I go, yeah, that's the orthodox one. That's the standard one. It's the same way Yip Man did it in the video, right? But for some reason, WT people think that, that like many other lineages, they think that that's the way it was always done because they just don't know, right? Um, the second edition was the double mansel, which is at the end of the, um, what I call the third part, after you do the front kick and the dive bong three times, you do this, this basically you extend your arm straight up ahead. And this is like, a, this is a defense for an overhead strike, like something you would find in Choi Le Fut, like from a hanging punch or like a hammer fist strike from over, where you basically turn your arm into a slide for the strike to run down. Because in most of the Orthodox Wing Chun, those were for things that came directly to you or around, but they didn't really have something coming from above down. Uh, and most Wing Chun people dealt with it just by moving out of the way, but there was no real hand technique. But in the knife form, we have a movement called Mando, where if somebody gives you like an overhead strike with a um, like a broadsword or something like that, where you lift your knife up there so that you would catch it and it would slide down and then you would cut the guy. So uh, Leung Ting basically retrofitted the knife technique unarmed form. So that the students would have a movement to defend against the overhead swing punch, which was very prevalent because of Choi Le Fat. And in fact, he told the story that one time he got in a street fight. This was before he learned from Yip Man, but when he was Liang Sung's student. And he got in a street fight and then somebody attacked him from overhead, like with kind of like a hammer fist strike, like just some weird, stupid punch, right? And, and, and when, when Siva Leung Ting recalls the story, he says, in the moment he looked up and he saw this punch coming at him, you know, like sometimes in fights, like things flash before your eyes and you kind of think for a moment. It's like you're almost in your own space for a second. And he remembers saying, shit, I don't know how to stop that. And then the punch <laughs> came, boom, and hit him on the top of the head. And he kind of stumbled back and then he eventually went forward and, you know, punched the guy or whatever. Right. But then it always bugged him that, you know, he was like, oh, I couldn't use bong sao against an overhead strike. Couldn't use tan sao. There, there needs to be something against an overhead strike. And then he told me that um, later when he had the chance to to take private lessons from Yip Man, he asked him, and then Yip Man told him that, well, 
there is this one move in the knife form and then showed him the mundo from the knife form. And this is for an overhead weapon. And this can be, I suppose, retrofitted as an unarmed technique. So then Learn Ting added that to the Chum Q form. So that was also his modification. And then the final one is he added at the very end when you do the chain punches, we have the jumping punch. And then we have one punch that goes under the bridge, kind of like how Buji goes under the arm instead of over. And um, that's just like, you know, when your arm is really high up and you can't chain punch over the top, you could cut underneath. So that was clearly something he kind of borrowed a little bit from Buji. Uh, instead of doing it with an open hand, he did it with a fist. And that's basically his third modification. So for people who do WT, they need to know that those three things were actually things that uh, Sifu Learning changed later in the form. He had good reason to do it, but they need to understand that that's not necessarily the traditional Yip Man way. So, um, so those are the modifications we have. Now, in terms of the Moyat lineage, I mean, uh, do, did, uh, I mean I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer. But I mean, the, the idea is that it's, it's pretty straight orthodox the way he learned it. I mean, have there been any modifications from Yip Man's time or from how Moyat taught in the early days? Did he change it later or has it always been the same? Okay, so I know of one thing that some people refer to as a modification. Um, mm-hmm. How I've learned it as sometimes Yip Man taught it so, a certain way. But then sometimes uh-huh. he taught it this way also, like um, like mm-hmm. in Buji when you do the shifting um, Fuxiao, sometimes it was taught that you shift on the heel, and sometimes uh-huh. you was taught that you shift on the ball of the foot, mm-hmm. and he said like both are correct. He does it. Well, yeah, did it a certain way, but he said if you see this, both are correct. And it's so funny you brought up the sidekick, because in Moyat Wing Chun. At the end, okay, so after, right at the, at the end of the, the third section, where most systems do that slant kick. Yeah. Moya Wing Chun does a side kick. Interesting. So it, you come back, you do the third, bong salad, dai bong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop, come. Right. Then turn, you have the pivot. Just shift, you right. pivot, side kick, yeah. land, gong sao. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So uh-huh. We, we do a side kick also. Interesting. We, interesting. Yeah, we don't. But you do don't this. have. But you don't have the slant kick in there. We Got don't it. have the slant kick. Interesting. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. I learned that. That's great. That's great. I've yeah, seen. We, we, I've seen some people who had like a taekwondo background, and then they had learned like the Moyat lineage later, and they did like a full-on taekwondo sidekick with the hip pivot and everything like that. And I always thought, oh, he must be just be doing that because he's a taekwondo guy. Because I couldn't imagine. That that's how Sifu Moyat did it, but I didn't realize that there was actually a sidekick. I thought he just, I thought this Taekwondo guy had just changed it because he was a Taekwondo guy. No, in fact, I'm gonna send you a video, and um, I want you to watch it. Matter of fact, maybe I'll post it from the Dudes of Kung Fu page of, sure. of one of my uh, my Seabok, Pete Pahil in, in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He has the best Chum Q that I've ever seen in the Moyat lineage. Like mm-hmm. it's just phenomenal. And uh, you can see the form, and you'll see the sidekick, and I, I think you'll, I think you'll appreciate it. I, uh, I'll post it. Uh, cool. I think I'll post it as soon as I'm awesome. done. I just think, uh, do you have on your how on your howcast videos 
Do you have videos of you doing I, the forms? I, I didn't. I didn't do the. I didn't do the chumkyo. The only video I show. Uh, the only form, sorry, that I show on the Howcast series is the Sunumtel form because basically Howcast came to me and they had like all these topics and the topics were based on Google searches, right? So they contacted uh-huh. me and they said, "Oh, we're looking for a Wing Chun expert. We we found you. You're in New York because they're they're also in New York, so it was easy for them to come to me." And all the topics that I did those videos on were based on what uh, people search for in Google in regards to Wing Chun. So it was like, what is Paxau or what is Siunam Tao or whatever. Now, of course, there, are many, there were many Google search items like Bacham uh, Do form because people want to see it. It's like the, the grand pornography of the Wing Chun style <laughs> or the, the weapons forms and the dummy, right? So, um, of course, at that time, I... I had just left Sifu Langting's organization. That's like when I was fresh out. So I was no longer part of the IWTA. And I think that was maybe like within six months or something like that of me quitting. And I was still very conservative about what I wanted to show. And for those people, I I get compliments on that series all the time. When I look at it, I showed very to Bible of Langting Wing Chun there. I didn't show anything that was kind of rocking the boat or anything like that. It was very standard and it's very basic in terms of what I teach. That's not even a skeleton of my program. It's very basic, but um, a lot of people really like it because maybe I was the first WT guy who didn't do nothing but chain punch the shit out of my partner and actually attempted to explain something beyond stepping and chain punching. Right. Um, Sure. But, of course, some of the questions they had was, like, chumkyu form, buji form, wooden dummy. And I just was not in the mood to reveal all those things. And not not like the chumkyu form is really advanced. And, and Learn Ting had oh, already that, put out the chumkyu form or whatever. That's big-time stuff. I mean, I understand that. That's not – You know uh, what? I, I don't really think it helps people if there's another video of somebody doing the chumkyu out there. So instead, if you type in, like, Alex Richter, how cast chumkyu, you'll find, like, three or four videos where I talk about different topics about the chumkyu which I find are actually more valuable than just another form of somebody showing his version of the chum cubes. It's like, Hey, why, if you want to see the chum cube, you can Google learn, learn things doing the chum cube from 1984. You can see the, what the WT chum cube looked like, at least at that time, there's been a couple changes since then, but it's no, no big mystery or anything like that. But I don't think that what people want to do is they want to hear why's the why's the how's the, right. the, the more in-depth of, which is I think why these, podcast episodes have been so popular because this is exactly what you don't find on youtube you can find a hundred people showing a chum cue showing a, a siunam tau but going in there uh, explaining anything in any kind of depth that's meaningful to anybody who really practices right right so um so yeah so so that's basically what it was so they had like they you know they wanted me to show the bacham do video and then i was like so <laughs> I just talked about, I have a video where I just talk about the knives. Oh, the knives should be like this. You should hold it like this and that's it. And then the long pole video, like, hey, you should hold it like this and not like this and that. But everyone <laughs> thinks when they click on that video, they're going to see the long pole form. <laughs> it's like, no, buddy, sorry. I paid way too much money to learn that damn thing. Sure. I'm not giving it away for free. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I agree, dude. So, I agree. People, anyway. I, I get shit from people that are like, oh, so what are their secrets? I'm like, no, it's not a secret, but I broke my ass to fucking learn this. I well, isn't it I'm funny? Give it away for nothing? What are you kidding me? It's like, look, it's funny. It's it's two sides of a coin. Look, there really shouldn't be any secrets because the moment you keep things secret, they don't get practiced. 
That's why anybody who says they learned a secret style of Wing Chun and they were the only one who learned it. Well, when the hell did the guy who taught it to you ever practice it if he if he never right. showed it to anybody? So the thing is, things don't grow when they're a secret. They rot. All right? right. So secrets are bad anyway. But the problem is, it's funny that instructor but i'm very open to my own students who are dedicated and they come in and they put in the work but people who i have no relationship to they come at you like oh why are you keeping secrets as if we owe them anything it's like first of all you're not you're not the one coming into my school busting your ass five days a week yet you expect me to just give it to you to the same way somebody who really earns it through their, you know, their sweat equity would get it from me. And it's like, yeah, everybody's always like, oh, man, that's bullshit. That guy keeps secrets or whatever, because it's just like this. Everybody is your brother for free. Right. And, and you know, and, and I, I've been doing this too long. I, I see through that ruse right away. Oh, everyone's my brother. They want to be cool and they want to come to my school and see how much they can squeeze out of me for free. And it's like. I got a schedule, man. You want to learn from me, you can email the head office and book a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is about the most you'll get from me for free. <laughs> right. Exactly right. I mean, you know, like it, it happens like people are like, oh, well, you don't own the truth. And I'm like, no, I don't. I, but I own my own curriculum. Exactly. Like, well, yeah. why are you keeping secrets? I'm not yeah. keeping secrets. I tell yeah. my students everything. You don't own the truth, but you should give it to me anyway because, well, I'm asking you for it. Yeah, but you see, they don't understand. You don't own the truth, yet you still have something I want. Right, right. And they're trying, they're trying to somehow tell you this valuable thing that they want isn't valuable at all, so you should just give it to them. It's like, dude, you can't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. I see what you're doing. <laughs> and, and, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, it's not valuable. Uh, this valuable thing I have is not valuable, so I should give it to you anyway. It's like, come on, man. All right, get 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 in line and put in the time. If anybody puts in the time, it's not just about money. It's putting in the sweat equity. More than happy to give them everything. And I don't hold any secrets to people who come and work hard. But people who are lazy and just want to, you know, the people come to my school and they ask me one question and I show them something and they go, oh, can I teach that? And I go, you don't even know it. I just, you just ask me a question. You know, that's completely absurd. You, you, you just learned it. You just learned of its existence 30 seconds ago. Yeah, but you haven't actually been taught it or trained it right. or corrected on it. But yeah, go knock yourself out. Go make a video and teach that thing you thought I taught you in 30 seconds. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, but hey, man, this was really great. Uh, we we hit all the lot of points fun. or whatever. This is really a lot of fun. And our topic next week, the beauty. Ooh, getting Ooh. even more into the depths of the secret stuff. Make sure you close the doors and pull down the shades. We're going to cover... We're gonna cover the beauty, the secret form. <laughs> thank God! Thank God awesome. you gave me a week's notice so I can make this shit up. For, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can go look online, look at YouTube videos, and figure out stuff to say next week. Because <laughs> as anyone who's really in the know knows, all this stuff we're telling you guys, we just stole it off other people's YouTube videos. <laughs> exactly right. That's why I was asking all right, man. Hey, this was a lot of fun. That's right. Yeah, because you want more. You want more. Hey, all of you guys out there, don't forget to like us on Facebook, Dudes of Kung Fu, if you have not done that already. Don't forget to share these podcasts on your social media. So when the episodes come out, put it on your Twitter, put it on your Facebook, put it on your MySpace, whatever the hell you guys are into. Put it on there. Get it out there. Let people know you like it. Also, don't forget to write reviews for us on iTunes because those things really do help to push the podcast a little bit. And if you have anything you want us to talk about in, in specifically regarding the Buji form for the next episode, go ahead and send us uh, uh, some correspondence at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. And uh, that is all from here, man. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Enjoy your week. Bye-bye.